you could put on a Genki song and it starts off straight away with a da 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 And then because humans are humans, if you're in a class and everybody's singing together, there's a very human emotion of when we start singing out loud together and moving together, that's the essence of being human. Hello, it's Matt from DreamEnglish.com. I hope you're great wherever you are in the world today. That was Richard from Genki English. Some wise and interesting words from Richard. I've known Richard for many years. Richard is the creator of Genki English, which is a great learning resource for children and adults. I guess Richard would probably say all ages for learning English through songs, flashcards, books, and other materials. Richard has created a lot of learning materials for learning English, and he's also very knowledgeable about teaching English, and he loves to share his knowledge. In our conversation, we talked about discipline, using songs in the classroom, and lesson planning. I really enjoyed it. Richard has a lot of great, interesting things to say. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Richard from Genki English. Here we go. Okay, so I'm here with Richard from Genki English. And Richard is an old friend. I think I first met you, Richard, I don't know, 15, 12, 15 years ago. I don't want to date us or anything, but. Quite, quite a long time ago, I think, yeah. Quite a long time ago. And, and Richard is, if some of you don't know Genki English, the creator of the wonderful Genki English, which is pretty amazing um, English learning method for children that covers all the topics that you can imagine. Um, it's got great fun videos, very cool games, very cool software, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, but why don't we hear directly from Richard? So Richard, you want to tell us a little bit about what you're doing in Genki English? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, well, I've, I've been teaching for 30 years, which is far too long, a crazy long time. And, uh, and I started off because I was a student. I was at school and I was wanting to learn things for my exams and stuff. And I was looking around all the teachers and uh, the school I went to was founded in 1612, which is a really long time ago. And I think most of the teachers were probably founded about that time as well. And the lessons, some of them were good, but most of them were so boring. And I would look around at all these other teachers and I was like, I want to learn this stuff. And they'd be like, yes, but first you must do this and this. And it, I was like, oh my goodness, it's just so boring. And I was like, I want to teach in a fun way. I want to, I want to learn. I, I love this stuff. I want to learn this stuff. So I thought, why don't I just teach other people it as well? So I started uh, teaching other people and uh, that went well. And I, I was basically looking, I was asking myself, if I was a student, what would I want to learn and how would I want to learn it? And I did that for a few years. And then I went to Japan and I was teaching in elementary school. Uh, in the summer holidays, they put me in kindergarten, which was um, really crazy with hundreds of kids coming up going, wah! And, and then I started, I was teaching science and I was teaching English as well. And then I, I developed my own English materials because a lot of the materials I thought were a bit boring as well. I wanted, I wanted to teach it fun. You know, like English is cool. It's, it's energetic and fun. Genki means fun, energetic and full of life. So I started doing that and then I got very fortunate. Other teachers started seeing the results my kids were getting and saying, 
how come your kids are getting such good results? So I started doing workshops and then that went national. The TV and newspapers started reporting on me and that went international. So I got invited around the world to do projects. Like in Thailand, we had 800,000 kids using Genki English. Um, like Harvard University came and researched the projects we were doing in Africa and uh, crazy stuff. So now, um, yeah, I was teaching. I used to, I started off with one-on-one, I think like most people do. And then I went to like 30 kids and then 100 kids. And I was teaching 1,000 kids at once. Uh, but now most of my time is spent helping teachers uh, because a lot of the teaching problems and questions that teachers have, they're the sort of same things that have come up year after year. And there, there are solutions. Other teachers have already found the solutions. So my job now is basically helping teachers solve all their problems so they can get back to loving the teaching and saving kids from boring lessons. Because I want all kids to learn in a super fun, ginky way and get amazing results. That is very cool. That's a very good introduction. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to me because uh, I've, I've watched you know, followed you over the years and, and all of the different countries that you've, you've visited and done workshops in and taught students in. It's very cool. That's kind of an amazing experience. Yeah. It was, I was, I mean, I got very lucky that I started this um, a full time when I, I finished my full time teaching job in 2000. So I could travel it just as the whole digital nomad thing was starting. So I got my computer and, you know, the music, we, we do everything through music as well. So we've got all the keyboards and things. I could just travel around the world, do my workshops, and then, you know, do all the stuff on the computers. And it's great. I think at one point we had two countries where there's two countries in the world that didn't use Genki English. And um, one of them was the Vatican. And one of the girls at my Italian workshop said, I teach in the Vatican. I'm going to use it tomorrow just so we can say we use it in the Vatican. Uh, so there's just one country that officially doesn't use Genki English around the world but every other country had so um which is really cool it's it's great yeah that, wow that's amazing okay so so you talked a little bit about since you know i do songs as well um tell me a little bit if you don't mind the little philosophy behind your songs Ooh, good question so um so, so my thing was when i when i was teaching full-time in primary school is i only had lessons once a week and if you look at all the research, it says that if you do once a week, it's okay, but the kids tend to forget. And I'm sure everybody listening, you've probably had the experience where you teach something, the kids are awesome at it, and you go in next week and they go, huh? And they've completely <laughs> forgotten it. And I was like, how can I remember it? And so I've been a producer since like I was a kid, 13. And when I was teaching, I was in bands and stuff and doing TV and radio stuff and things. And I was like, you know, in, in adverts or on radio and TV, you use music to get people to remember products. You know, when you watch a TV show or an advert, they have the little jingles in there and that gets it stuck in your head and you can't forget the product. And when you go to the supermarket, you buy it. And I was like, can I do the same thing? Can I just take the language from my lessons and then put that into a song with a melody? It has to be with melodies rather than just chants. And put it with, put it with a melody. And then not only can the teachers then play it every day when I'm not there, so they can get a one minute review of the whole lesson, then the kids will remember it because of the melody. And, and, and that's how it worked. And it, and it worked great. And um, so the kids, the teachers would play it when I'm not there. And then the next week, the kids already knew the words. They, they completely remembered it. So we could jump to the next level of the curriculum, which was cool. Um, and then, of course, you've got music. The other thing with music is um, it's not just a memory thing. Uh, you've also got the mood power. It's a shame I don't have a piano. I should have piano plugged in here. But it's like, Matt, you know, it's like your music controls your mood. 
So if you play, if you want kids to, if the kids are too hyper and you want to bring them down and put them to sleep, like say in an afternoon in kindergarten, if you play them nursery rhymes, then naturally they start falling asleep. And my problem was in most elementary school and certainly junior high school is the kids were falling asleep already. So I wanted to wake them up. So most of my songs are Genki songs. They're, they're like dance songs. Or, well, we actually use different music from around the world. I actually designed it as a music curriculum as well. So you can use it as a music curriculum. We have like you know, South American music, Europe music, Asian music, but it's all Genki. It's exciting. So even if the kids are feeling a bit, or maybe the teacher's feeling a bit, Bleh, you can put on a Genki song and it starts off straight away with a da da down. Hmm. And then because humans are humans, if you're in a class and everybody's singing together, there's a very human emotion of when we start singing out loud together and moving together, that's the essence of being human. You, you don't have funerals without music. You don't have weddings without music. You don't have festivals without music. Um, you know, so the music is really powerful. Plus, of course, if you're doing it with music, the kids don't need to be literate. They don't need to read or write yet. So music works for kids who can't read or write yet. It gets the human emotion there. You can control the energy level of your class and the kids remember all the English for the next lesson. That's great. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I like that a lot. What you just said about the, you know, that's, that's human. That's this human interaction of, of using music and, and really with, with great songs, a class can be more than just a class. It can, like you said, it can be an experience and then on top of that, if you're learning something, it's that's super cool. Okay, awesome. So with the Genki English, um, a lot of people write to me and ask me about lesson planning. How do you plan a lesson? Okay, we have these songs. How do I do it? Do I just go in the class and sing 10 songs? Or should there be other elements that we're bringing in to help people learn? Um, what's your thinking on that what would you advise for a lesson plan awesome question well i always i always go back to the quote um i think is it is it general um uh, one of the world war ii generals and he says um i'm going to change the quote so it's going to he's going to say um lesson plans are useless but lesson planning is invaluable so he was talking about war and things when you have battle plans yeah so what happens is when when people do these you know these really complicated lesson plans like you know Sometimes you see them on the, the government, you know, when you have to do reports for the government and ask like, 952, say this, 953.5, do this. And it's like, those never work because you get in a real class with real kids and you're saying they're human and they're alive and they don't want to do what we want to do. Um, but the actual process of planning your lesson is really important, I think, um, because it lets you look and say, you know, it's, it's all about this goal. It's, it's what am I wanting to achieve with this English class? And is this lesson going to get me closer? Is it going to get me closer to this final goal? So that's my overall aim. So especially when we're in to India or China or somewhere where kids have just got a few months to get really, they've got, they've got to get good enough at English to understand primary school in English, even if they don't speak English yet. So I'm really focused on getting results. So, and then when you look at the lesson plan, you can sort of boil it down to just three things because complexity is the enemy of execution. So if something's too complex, you'll never actually do it. Mm. You know, if you have a, a workout on the morning or a morning routine that's crazy, you'll never do it. But if it's simple three things, three things, you'll do it. So my lesson plan is always three things. It's number one is warm up and review. 
So you just get the kids physically warmed up, get them moving, review everything you've done before. So I ask them all the questions we've done before, like, what's your name? Where are you from? How are you? What's the weather like? What's your favorite sport? What's your favorite food? What do you think of blah, blah, blah? Well, everything we've done so far, we review. And you can do that in five minutes and you make it fun. You've got videos on the website, you can see that. But to warm up and review, second stage is input. You need to have something new coming in. Now, to be honest, these days, that's actually quite small because most classrooms are flipped classrooms because we've got the internet. Um, you know, you can you know, send them to Matt's videos and they can watch your videos on YouTube or with me and my software, they can use the Genki software to get the input at home. But generally, you need some, something new to give them. It's like you're not just baking recipes with the same ingredients all the time. You want to give them new ingredients so you broaden their palette of colors. So um, you have little input. And then output is the main part of the lesson. And that, for me, is... In the output part, I want to simulate a real-world speaking environment. And, you know, when you speak to a native speaker the first time, um, or you speak to someone in English or a foreign language the first time, you're terrified. It's like, it's like I, 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 I know these words, but they're not coming out. And, uh. So I want to simulate that in class, and we do that with games. So we have classroom games where all the kids are talking at once. Uh, the teacher is pulled back and just observing and finding out what, what needs extra work. So the, the kids are speaking in the game and because there's this adrenaline because they want to win the game and the fact, you know, the, the jeopardy of losing the game, then it simulates that real world thing. You get the adrenaline, you get the motion, you get language, all the kids are talking and you have a fantastic experience. So warm up review, five, 10 minutes. Input, five or 10 minutes or maybe a bit more if you haven't flipped your classroom yet. And then usually I do output for 20, 25 minutes with a classroom game. That's super. That's really great. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Just the three. It's very simple and practical. Three main things. You have your warm up, you have your input and you have your output. And it, and it's a smart way to order it, too, because by the time they get to the output, which is possibly the most challenging part, probably would be they're super warm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, they're full. I, I don't want to waste a second of class. Um, and the kids in general, your kids are energetic anyway, and it's just a case of how you take that energy and use it in class. So you do have, you know, you, you do have energetic patterns. You, you're super game, like a James Bond movie, yeah? In the beginning, it's super, da-da-da! Hmm. And then it maybe drops down a bit. And then, ba -da -da. You can't go, wah, for 45 minutes or even for 30 minutes. Yeah, you have to have this balance. But still, I want to make every second count. So, yeah, so we're doing gestures, movement, action, speaking all the way through the lesson. And when when would you fit your songs into that? And would you do songs in the warm up or the input or both? Yeah, so the input is so we use we use we have talking flashcards on the computer. So the teacher just hit the button and it speaks. Mm -hmm. And then that teaches them the song. So the song comes in the input stage. Um, so it's inputting brainwashing really, because of the way that we do the melodies. You just brainwash the English into their heads. But they're also speaking. They're, they're singing the songs. They're not just listening, they're actually singing. I guess it's really important we get the kids singing. If you know, above two and a half when they physically can sing, yeah. Um so they're actually singing it, yeah. So that's when we use the song. And then in the warm-up, we used to say, you know, play songs, but then after 30 or 40, that's like half an hour. So it's not practical. So we just we just review the song from the previous lesson in the warm-up for today. So we use all the language. We ask all the questions in the curriculum that we've done so far, but we just use the song from the previous time. Okay. And actually, I, I, this brings up another question. What age group are you 
is uh, Genki English geared towards? Would you say? Great question. So, yes, I wrote it. I wrote. I was. I wrote it originally because I had the biggest freedom in elementary school, so I had complete freedom to do the curriculum. So I wrote it for elementary, um, but then I was also noticing the same problems in my junior high. So we were using it in junior high. So I saw the software and things was done for junior high, um, and then of course people started using it with kindergartens and babies and adults and ninety-year-olds. So I, I think this idea of thinking of age. I, I very much agree with Ken Robinson, and it's like judging kids by their date of manufacture sounds really weird to me. And saying because this kid's five, I'm going to do this is weird. So from the English point of view, obviously you've got development issues as well. We've got to take into account. But from the English point of view, rather than their age, I always look at their level. So if so, my program we, we we had to get when we came to Europe, we had to get certified by all the universities. So we're certified A1, A2 level. So if, if you've got beginners, false beginners, non-confident speakers, whatever age, the program's good, it'll work. Uh, so Genki English works, you know, with people using it from like three months to 93 years. So it's crazy. And the granny's glasses are, are crazy. They're the most, those are the ones you've got to watch with, uh, when you're playing the games, they get really into it. So <laughs> That's great. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's an excellent point. I mean, I think a lot of times, as a teacher, and I guess at least where I teach, age and level are are kind of intertwined to a certain degree. But you know, depending on where you're teaching and and what experience your students have had, it, it could be completely different. It can be completely different. So yeah, I think that's a good point. You have to judge the students based upon their ability and their level. Okay, great. Um, so, okay, so we covered the lesson plan, which I think is really nice. And how about, I've been getting this emails often. People always ask me about discipline. So let's say that you're you're teaching a class with, I don't know, 20, 30 kids or whatever. And you have a couple of students who just aren't paying attention and they're wandering around and they won't focus. They don't want to sing the songs. I'm, I'm giving you kind of a hard challenge here. Um, <laughs> and, you know, my, my thing with discipline is it's not my strong point. It's just not my strong point as a teacher. And I tend to, it depends on the situation. A lot of times where I teach, there's other teachers in the room, so they kind of take care of it for me and I can focus on what I'm doing. But um, what I try to do is just try to make a great lesson, like I'm sure you would too, uh, so that I don't have those problems. I mean, that's my that's where I do discipline. I, I try to make a fun, varied lesson so that the kids will just focus and at least get into some part of the lesson if they're not into all of it. But uh, I recently got an email from a teacher who said that she has a student who just goes crazy the whole class and then eventually gets the whole rest of the class going crazy with this young student. So and I know and I've seen some blog posts that you've made, which are really great about discipline. So can you give any advice on that? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, I think the thing for me is when when I first started, I was I doing one on one. So you don't really need discipline it's just motivation and inspiration rather than motivation but then when it, yeah and then when they put me into 
classes of 20 kids, especially in kindergarten, you were like, this is crazy. I was, I was there in a, a, shoot, a, a, a suit and tie the first day and the kids are jumping on me. I was like, this is not, not sustainable. Um, and then, of course, when I started doing 100 kids, that's a different situation because you can't get eye contact with the one. Then they're doing 1,000. So at each stage, I've had to learn the skill. So the first thing I would say is I've got a whole course on this. There's a whole Genki discipline toolkit in the Genki English teacher set. But um, the, 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 fir the, the, the first thing is it's a learnable skill. You can, you can learn it for whatever stage you're at. And what usually happens, it's like a pyramid where you find, or an inverted pyramid maybe, where one technique solves 90% of the problem. And then the next technique solves 90% of what's left. And then the next one. And then as you go down, you, you, you only need like 10 or 12 techniques, but the, the first few have the biggest impact. So um, I, I certainly think that what you mentioned is that you've got to have great lessons. We, we've got to assume you've got great lessons. You're well-prepared. You're over-prepared. So I always, for a new class, I always prepare they're going to be like they're not as good as what i think they are and what if they're better than what i think they are i always prepare three things so you have that prepared and you make sure your body language is good you've got to be confident in what you're doing yeah if you're not confident practice in front of the mirror the night before so you know what you're doing because if you've got a slight hesitation of like oh, well oh what was the word to that song and oh that grammar point today oh, oh what's that if you're like that the kids pick up pick up on it and they go boom they'll you know they'll jump straight on you um when I was at school, we once had a French fly teacher, a temporary teacher, and she came in weak. And we were a good class of kids. But two or three of the kids just saw that weakness and they just went for it. And, and it was a disaster for her. So you've got to be confident. And that comes from practice and making mistakes. I mean, I've failed. I, I, I've, several times I've taught kids of 100, with 100 kids and it's gone completely chaotic and I've had to cancel it. So, so given all that... Um, the best technique, the number one technique, and I learned this from a teacher from when I was doing training with the U.S. State Department in Tanzania. And this teacher, she used to be a teacher in the Bronx in New York, when, when it was the Bronx, not when it's the posh coffee shop Bronx like now, but when it was the hardcore, you know. And, and, it's, and it's a technique called the agreement. And if you get this one in place, I think this fixes 90% of your problems. So if you've got, you know, you got one kid who's going crazy and things like that, you might want a different one. But the agreement fixes 90% of problems. And all it is is you just do an agreement with the kids at the beginning. And depending on the level is, is how you present it. You know, for the little kids, it's just basically something like, you know, good morning, how are you all doing today? Cool. Okay. And you, do, you have to do it in the local language. So if you can't do it in the local language, you get another teacher to do it. But So for little kids, you just say to them, you say, Cool. Okay. Today we are going to do the most awesome class in the world. It's going to be so, so, so good. Okay. Are you all ready to do like the most amazing class ever? Are you ready for that? And they'll be, yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay. But in order to do it, the rules of the class, you just give them your rules. And I just have two. And it's like, number one, respect everyone. Number two, tell me when you don't understand. So, like in Japanese, with little kids, if I was doing it, え、ですね。じゃあ、今日、今日はスーパーらしいものすごく楽しい授業やりましょう。一緒にやりましょうかいや、オッケー。じゃあ、成功するためにはこれをしましょう。そうですね。I 
And with teenagers, it's the same. You can walk into a teenage class and say, look, uh, you don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I do not want to teach this exam stuff, but we've got to do it. I want to make your parents happy. Would you like to get your parents off your back? Yeah, so they stop going on about your about results. Yeah. Would you like to get English out of the way so you know it all way before the exams so it gives you freeze up more time for other subjects? And they go, yes. Right, this is how we're going to do it. I have 100% attention from you. You're going to give me 100% attention. Tell me when you don't understand. Respect everybody in the classroom. And from me, I'm going to give you 100% to get you these amazing results. Um, and if you do that sort of thing, obviously you need the language skills to do it. But if you can do it, and it, 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 you know, that's basic, your two-year-olds and 15-year-olds. But if you can do that, that will solve 90% of the problem. Uh, that's great. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense in agreement. And actually, I like so much what you said about confidence and knowing your lessons. Because I, if I think about it, you know, I mean, I've been teaching for... 15 years now um english or, or more maybe and i'm doing all my own songs mostly you know i i do use other people's songs occasionally but i know them really well i wrote them i made videos of them you know <laughs> so i have complete confidence doing my songs and and i also i prepare very well i always know what's going to come next because i i learned the hard way like if you have 2 3 minutes where you don't know what you're or even 30 seconds you don't know what you're doing then the students are going to be all over the place so it's just got to be okay next thing next thing next thing so i think that's a really great piece of advice for teachers out there who are struggling don't necessarily think it's the students you know it it could be that you're not really delivering the lesson as well as you could be if you actually practiced it a little and you and you got it down. You learned the songs a little bit better. You you thought about the transition, how are you going to go to the next part of your lesson? I think that's a really excellent point, uh, which I wish I had said to this teacher when she emailed me because I didn't think about it at the time. <laughs> yeah. And with the practice, you know, be pre prepared to, to do bad lessons. You can, it's like, Yes, Ed Sheeran says, if you want to write a hit record, you have to write 100 bad records first. So you have to do 100 bad lessons before you get a good lesson, yeah? Hopefully it's less than 100, but, you know, you'd be prepared for that. But the thing is, kids are just, that's what kids do. So, you know, when you, when you look at two-year-olds or 15-year-olds, um, they have the same thing because in, in society, they don't have power. Um, so a two-year-old, you have the terrible twos where they're going crazy, and 15-year-olds are trying to rebel because they don't have any power in society. They can't do anything. A two-year-old can't do anything without the parents letting them do it. A 15-year-old can't do the adult stuff because they're not allowed to do it, like drive and vote and all this crazy stuff. So their, their job and their biological mission is to push the boundaries and see how far they can go. You know, a two-year-old starts eating the television. It's not because they want to eat the television. It's because they want to know, is that allowed? You know, am I allowed to put the remote control in coffee? Is that something that's allowed here? So it's not, not bad. They're just looking for the boundaries. And then as a teacher in the classroom, it's, you know, I always say for the classroom, it's your rule, your classroom, your rules. And the most fun classes are always the strictest classes. And if I walk into a class, the kids know that they ain't going to get away with anything. You know, they know that I'm going to be super strict, but they also know that it's going to be super fun. Um, and it, and if you know if they break the rules and there's consequences for it, so and then with fifteen year olds as well, you know they're pushing to find out what the boundaries are, and then you as the adult, still the adult, even if they're fifteen, you know it's your classroom. 
You just got to hold the boundaries firm, be strong in who you are, be flexible, learn, communicate, listen to them. But at the end of the day, you know, these boundaries setting is what we do as adults. And the kid's job is to bounce against it. They're not being bad. That's just what kids do. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. So have confidence and set the boundaries. And then I guess from there, hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think you mentioned one specific example before. If you've got one kid who's always playing up, yeah, then the first thing is have a chat with them outside class, number one, find out what the problem is. Because it's never you. It's never the teacher's problem. It's something else outside class that they're bringing into class. And it could be self-esteem issue. It could be tiredness. It could be diet. It could be parents. It could be anything. But try and find out what the problem is. And then that will either... That you realize they need more support and they need more love or they may need more discipline, whatever it is. You can figure that out. And then in class, if it's just one kid, just make them your helper. So give them some responsibility and say, okay, you're going to be a helper and you bring them to the front and give them some responsibility to help you. And if they're the ringleader kid and they're helping you, you've got the rest of the class. Yeah, rather than them in, 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 the, in the apple barrel making all the apples go bad, they're out the front being a good example to all the other kids. Um, and the main thing is as well is remember kids don't listen to what we say they copy what we do so make sure we're congruent in how we're acting and how we're enforcing the rules and how we're doing the classroom so you know they they copy what we do not listen to what we say more more great advice yeah i mean i think actually that's that's what i was actually saying to this teacher who emailed me i said i actually said talk to the parents um, because I've had that experience a lot where the kids were acting up and then finally we said, okay, we have to talk to the parents. We talk to the parents, the parents talk to the child, and then generally it gets better after that. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so there's, I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can do. Um, but mainly have great lessons, right? Use fun songs yeah. and, and keep it interesting for the kids. So we're running exactly. out of time here. This has been really great. And um, anything else you want to bring up or or anything exciting coming up for you that you want to let people know about? Or Oh, we're always doing exciting things, but they're always a bit uh, secret because we're... Uh... Because we're always, yeah, we're always trying to make the program as best as we can and make it easier to teach. Um, get teachers to earn more money is something we're focused on a lot after the pandemic. Um, and mainly just to get more kids having great lessons. Uh, it's cool. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm always here. I still, even after doing this 20, 20 odd years, I, I still answer all my emails so people can email me. Um, there's all the materials on the Gank English site. We've got teacher sets and courses they can check out there. Um, or indeed, if anyone's watching now or listening now, so if you've got questions, you know, just send them in either to Matt or myself and we'll try and answer them. And as I say, it's, there's too many kids having really bad education. I want all kids having great education. And that comes from great teachers. And great teachers come from making lots of mistakes and becoming great. So take it, you know, step at a time. In, in Italy, it's a piano a piano. It's like step one step at a time. Keep getting better each day than you were the day before. Uh, ask for help. We're here to help. We've got, you know, Matt's got so much. I mean, I go around the world and Matt is on every single TV screen in every country I go to. It's crazy. Uh, so he's got so much experience um, th that can help you. And obviously I've got experience as well of helping lots of different teachers. So there is a community. You're not alone. It's, it's a community of superhero teachers who are trying to get together to you know, change the world and to make it so that 
all education is fun and all kids have a great education and really enjoy doing it. That's great. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm I'm amazed to hear I'm everywhere in the world because I feel like I'm just here. But but I want to ask you before maybe you can have that thought too. But um, where can people reach you? What tell us your website address or Facebook or any of that? Yeah. So it's um, we're pretty much everywhere as Genki English. So G E N K I. Key as in you know, key energy, Genki, G-E-N-K-I, Genki English. The website's probably the best bet. There's a free course on there for teachers to get started. Um, on Facebook as well, a little bit on Instagram. Um, TikTok's gone crazy for us this year. We've got, I think it's like 15 million views like on TikTok this last six months, which is just absolutely crazy. Um, so yeah, and you can, I'll go to the website, you can email me and things like that as well. So Genki English is where to find me. Very cool, Richard. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're busy and um, I'm sure uh, the listeners will really appreciate you gave us a lot of great advice. So thank you so much. You're welcome. And thank you for having me on. It's amazing to be interviewed by Matt. It's like, dude, you are seriously famous. It's like <laughs> you've got such a huge effect on kids around the world. It's amazing. So thank you very much. I appreciate that, man. That's really kind of you to say. And Thank you so much. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Okay, that was my conversation with Richard. And Richard, thank you again for joining me on the podcast. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of great and useful information from that conversation. So like Richard said at the end, feel free to reach out. We're here to help. That's part of our job. And we love hearing from people because... We learn things too. It's a long, lifelong learning experience for us all. So thank you all very much for listening. Goodbye. See you. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>